We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 476 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, January 2nd, 2023. It is the first installment of the podcast in the year 2023. It is the first full day of the Commanders having been officially eliminated from playoff contention. Happy New Year! Hardly a woeful. 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field. That loss, in conjunction with the Detroit Lions destroying the Chicago Bears, 41-10. Thank you for nothing, Bears. And the Green Bay Packers crushing the Minnesota Vikings, 41-17. Thank you for nothing, Vikings. Uh, those three results on Sunday yielded the elimination of the Commanders from playoff contention. What is it about New Year's Day Sundays late in regular seasons in which Washington has had a tie and is fighting for its postseason life that things do not go well? We had the debacle that was the Redskins' loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on New Year's Day 2017, costing the Skins a playoff spot. And we had what happened on Sunday afternoon with this loss to the Browns and the Commanders ultimately being eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, The Redskins slash Washington football team slash Commanders. uh, That team now is missing the playoffs for a 24th time in 30 seasons. Let that sink in. Let that marinate in your burgundy and gold brain, okay? 24 of the last 30 seasons now for our team have been non-playoff seasons. Do you know how pathetic that is, okay? Do you know how wretched that is? 24 out of 30 non-playoff seasons, 1993 through 2022. Three decades, just six playoff seasons, 1999, 2005, 2007, 2012, 2015, and 2020. Happy New Year! Hardly. 
Hello and welcome to this Commander's Post Game Show Monday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is nice to be with you. I can say that. Hopefully you can say that. Uh, and hey, at least we have Major Tutty, okay? The Commanders on Sunday revealed their new mascot. Uh, personally, I could not have cared less, all right? But as expected, the mascot is a hog-themed mascot. And the mascot's name is Major Tutty. Tutty as in touchdown. It's too bad that the Commanders on Sunday afternoon scored just one Tutty. Uh, the Commanders at the game honored the Hogs, the greatest offensive line unit in NFL history. Uh, legendary former Redskins head coach Joe Gibbs was in attendance. A number of the Hogs and other Skins greats were in attendance as well. Hey, do you think that Coach Joe knew that the Commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention? on Sunday because the team's current head coach, Ron Rivera, did not know that. Uh, Next segment, I will react to the revelation that sent shockwaves throughout the NFL. Our guy, Ron Rivera, aka Don Ron, during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, saying that he didn't know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. Uh, I have a few things to say about that. Uh, I also will conduct a proper burial of Carson Wentz as a commander's quarterback. Uh, So much for that. Uh, It is done. It is over. The Carson Wentz commander's experience went up in flames on Sunday afternoon. Uh, So much for him being reinstalled as the team's starting quarterback. So much for Carson providing a spark as the commander's starting quarterback. Uh, I'll also get into the work of the commander's defense and also what we got from the commander's rushing offense on Sunday afternoon. A debacle of a day for the commanders. Uh, Also on the show, the rest of your Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. Hey, there are some good things to discuss, like, believe it or not, the Wizards. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, those guys, our guys, the Wizards. Uh, they have won five consecutive games. They have won six of their last seven games. The last three wins have come despite the Wiz being without Bradley Beal. Uh, two more wins over the weekend, Friday night, a 119-100 win at the Orlando Magic. Sunday night, a 118-95 win at the Milwaukee Bucks. Nobody beats the Wiz, at least not right now. Uh, I have a college basketball segment for you. Busy last few days. Uh, a hideous Sunday for both Maryland and Georgetown. The Terrapins got smashed at Michigan, 81-46. The Hoyas got blown out by Butler at Capital One Arena, 80-51. Wahoo did win over the weekend. Number 13, Virginia won at Georgia Tech, 74-56 on Saturday afternoon. But Virginia Tech lost at Wake Forest, 77-75 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'll discuss the Capitals. How about what the Caps did over the weekend? A 9-2 route of the Montreal Canadiens at Capital One Arena on Saturday to conclude a great December for the Caps. Hey, how about that? The Caps, in their lone game over the weekend, 
nearly scored as many goals slash points as the Commanders scored in their lone game over the weekend. The Caps scored nine goals. The Commanders scored 10 points. Uh, and we'll talk Maryland football off the Terps 16-12 win over number 23 NC State in the Dukes Mayo Bowl at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina on Friday afternoon. Uh, the game, like the Mayo, uh, not pretty, but Terps football now is where it has not been in decades. Uh, I shall explain. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. You know, in a time like this one, we are there for each other. Uh, Lots of feedback on the Commanders off their loss to the Browns and off the Commanders now having been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, Email from Joel Charney, writes Joel, well, Al, it's official. Carson Wentz is not the answer. And the quarterback search will continue into the coming offseason. Looking forward to the endless hours of speculation as to potential options and solutions on the Al Galdi podcast. Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, Thank you for that, Joel. Same to you. And yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that we now can say that Carson Wentz is not the answer for the commanders at quarterback. Uh, Commander Carson, not the answer. He did not sufficiently take command of the commander's quarterback position. Uh, I think that is now certified. Uh, Email from Stanley Evans, Ride Stanley. Next week, FedEx Field is going to be filled with Cowboys fans if anyone feels like going. The last thing that I want to hear is Ron Rivera or John Allen saying to the fans that we need all hands on deck. Time after time, this team comes out flat in big games at home. Fans have had enough No more excuses. No more calling out fans. The only thing that matters now is Dan Snyder selling and how Sam Howell looks. Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. Uh, You know, it is pathetic how often over the last two seasons, Washington in supposed big home games has not only lost, but lost via a very disappointing performance. Uh, Last season, the 27-20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14 in what, as you may remember, was a very hyped game. Uh, This season, the 24-8 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. The 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football in Week 15. And now this 24-10 loss to the Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17. Uh, One flop after another for Washington in supposed big games at FedEx Field over these last two seasons. Uh, Email from Michael King writes, Mike, I am mature enough to admit when I was wrong. Taylor Heineke was the problem. Scott Turner and his offense actually are not terrible. And it just took the switch to Carson Wentz for things to hum right along. Just needed a spark that I think was mentioned by several people. Watching Wentz with his increased confidence with the offense, along with the better game plan and the improved defense as compared to earlier in the year, really made me wonder how Ron and the boys got Wentz over here for such little financial and draft capital. They should extend him and pay him more if they can. Uh, Terry McLaurin is probably feeling pretty good physically of only having been tackled on two catches. Hope you had a great weekend and enjoyed the spectacular Sunday weather. As always, looking forward to the show. Best anywhere. Oh, and Joe Gibbs should decline to ever return while Dan Snyder is still around. It is so beneath Joe. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Well done.
Well, Joe Gibbs is the greatest head coach in Skins history, and Dr. George Verghese is the Joe Gibbs of Skin Doctors. Uh, Dr. George Verghese, he is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of this podcast and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Uh, if you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, uh, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. So the Washington Redskins on January 1st, 2020, named Ron Rivera as their head coach. Uh, yeah, Sunday, New Year's Day, was the three-year anniversary of the Skins hiring Ron as their head coach in what is, remember, a coach-centric approach. Uh, Ron's title is only head coach, but he is a head coach who also is in charge of football operations, i.e. a coach-centric approach. Uh, this is why I call Ron Rivera Don Ron. Uh, he is the Don of the Washington football mafia. Uh, he is Don Ron. And, and when he's wearing his sunglasses with his black hair combed back, he kind of looks like a Don. Anyway, Ron Rivera is in charge of commander's football operations. He is the overseer of commander's football operations. It is his job to know all that is going on in commander's football operations. Big things, medium things, small things, you know, not necessarily minutia things. I mean, I don't expect Ron to know every commander's statistic and every commander's factoid, but when it comes to what's going on with commander's football operations, Ron Rivera needs to know what's going on. And if he doesn't know something, then his staff should be telling him of that something. Well, few things for Commander's football operations had been bigger than the team's playoff contention this season. And so, especially given Ron's duties as head coach and the importance of knowing precisely what was at stake on, say, Sunday when Ron's team was playing a big game 
against the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field uh, on what was, again, the three-year anniversary of him being hired as Skins head coach. Uh, You would think that he would have been aware of precisely what was on the line. The Commanders entered Sunday with the possibility of clinching a playoff spot on Sunday. But the Commanders also entered Sunday with the possibility of being eliminated from playoff contention. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you knew that because I talked about these possibilities last week. Well, amazingly, we during Rod Rivera's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, following the team falling to 7-8-1 with an oh-so-disappointing 24-10 loss to the Browns, uh, had the following exchange with Grant Polson of 106.7 The Fan. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. Well, we'll see. But would Sam be a consideration, or is it Wentz versus Taylor? We'll see. I'm not going to, you know, try and predict anything. We'll see what happens. Okay, so the quality of that audio isn't the greatest. Uh, By the way, the quality of audio from post-game press conferences at FedEx Field is never the greatest. Uh, That is one of the many problems with FedEx Field. But if you take what Ron Rivera said in that cut, he didn't know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. Uh, I was watching the press conference live. I could not believe this when I saw this. Now, I did wonder if Ron was being sarcastic or was kidding or was playing dumb. But boy, it sure seemed that he didn't truly know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. We early in the 5 p.m. hour on Sunday had some tweets from people who cover the commanders offering clarification from Ron Rivera on where his knowledge of the commanders being in danger of being eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday was at. Uh, Commanders insider John Keim of ESPN tweeted, quote, Ron Rivera clarified his postgame remark about not knowing they could be eliminated, said he was frustrated by the question, said he didn't know they could be eliminated because he thought they would win and only focused on what would happen if they won, didn't consider alternative, end quote. Commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post tweeted, quote, Ron Rivera, frustrated by the loss and the question, later clarified he truly didn't know the playoff scenarios because he was focused on the Browns and trying to win, end quote. Uh, okay, so Ron Rivera actually didn't know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. Like, it's one thing to not focus on the possibility of being eliminated. I get that. It's another thing to actually not know that the team for which you are serving as head coach in a coach-centric approach can be eliminated. And there are two reasons why this is a problem. A, not knowing that your season from a postseason contention standpoint can end can affect in-game strategy. Like, I know that Ron Rivera on Sunday afternoon was coaching to win. I don't doubt that. 
But had he known that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday, might Ron have coached any differently? Might Ron have, say, benched quarterback Carson Wentz in favor of Taylor Heineke? B, if Ron actually didn't know that the team for which he is serving as head coach in a coach-centric approach could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday, uh, what else doesn't he know? What else hasn't he known? I like Ron Rivera. I have been rooting for Ron Rivera since the Redskins hired him. But him not knowing that the team for which he is serving as head coach in a coach-centric approach could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday, that is embarrassing. How did he not know that? Where the heck was someone on his staff or with the team to tell him that? And what else exactly hasn't he known? You know, Ron Rivera has made a big deal about having looked at the analytics, okay? Whatever that means, regarding quarterback Carson Wentz before trading for him this past March. Well, given this exchange during Ron's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, and given the performance of old Commander Carson uh, on Sunday afternoon, what do we think now of Ron having looked at the analytics? Again, whatever that means. You know, it's very easy to sit here right now and destroy Ron Rivera. I get that. And I'm always cognizant of trying to not be the cliche sports talk host and or cliche fan who just overreacts to everything and, you know, gets all emotional all of the time and rips everyone for every little thing. But I don't know how you hear that Ron Rivera didn't know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday. and not like be shaken to your core (laughs) as a Commanders fan, okay? I mean, Ron Rivera actually truly not knowing that the team for which he is serving as head coach in a coach-centric approach could be eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday, that is inexcusable. And speaking of inexcusable, uh, we now get to Carson Wentz. Yes, and when it comes to rating and reviewing the Al Galdi podcast, don't be a Carson Wentz, okay? Come through for your guy here, okay? Uh, Please consider rating and reviewing the podcast if you haven't yet done those things. Uh, Doing so costs you nothing but like 60 seconds of your time. It helps us out a lot. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying, that you like the podcast, the review can be just a sentence or two. Uh, And thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. I have to tell you, I was rooting very hard for Carson Wentz on Sunday afternoon. Uh, There may be no player in the NFL who has been criticized and mocked over the last three years more than Carson has been. Uh, There is like a vicious hatred of this guy that exists for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I'm a sucker for people who get mocked and criticized. I'm a sucker for people who get told that they can't and then show that they can. Uh, This is part of why I've been a fan of Taylor Heineke. You know, he over the last two years has proven a lot of people wrong. Uh, I was hoping for Carson Wentz to do the same. But instead, Carson Wentz on Sunday afternoon was horrendous. 
Uh, do you know what his performance reminded me of, ironically enough? Uh, the game in which we had the first in-game appearance of Taylor Heineke as a Washington quarterback. Uh, what was Dwayne Haskins' final game with Washington? Uh, December 27th, 2020, the then-Washington football team fell to 6-9 and nine with a 2013 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was Washington's starting quarterback for a second consecutive game, and this ended up being Dwayne's final game with the team as it released him via waivers the next day because he was so bad in this game. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, but that game felt like the end for Dwayne Haskins with Washington even before it released him. And the Commanders' 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon felt like the end for Carson with the Commanders before they release him. And they will be releasing him. Of that, there now is no doubt. Uh, the Commanders' trade for Carson Wentz was an abject failure. There's no sugarcoating it. Uh, this past March 16th, the Commanders officially acquired Carson via trade with the Indianapolis Colts. So the Commanders got Carson Wentz, a second round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, pick number 47 overall, and a seventh round pick in the 2022 draft. The Colts got a second round pick in the 2022 draft, pick number 42 overall, a third round pick in the 2022 draft, and a third round pick in the 2023 draft that could become a second round pick in the 2023 draft, although that ain't happening. But ultimately, the cost for Carson Wentz for the Commanders was a swapping of 2022 second round picks and a 2022 third round pick and a 2023 third round pick. Now look, that's not some franchise ruining cost, but that is significant draft capital for a quarterback who ended up being really bad for the Commanders this season. And of course, the Commanders took on the entirety of what was left on Carson's big money contract. Now, the Commanders did get Carson with the ability to part ways with him after this season with zero dead money in terms of the salary cap, and they will be doing just that. Uh, he is done with the Commanders. There is no more discussion. There is no more debate. Whatever good might be left in Carson Wentz as an NFL quarterback isn't worth putting up with all of the bad that comes with Carson in terms of his play. Now, it's funny because all indications are that Carson, the person with the Commanders, has been just fine. I mean, all of this stuff about him being a bad teammate and a bad leader, look, I don't doubt a lot of that stuff having been the case, but it does appear as if the Commanders did get an improved version, a more mature version, an awakened version of Carson Wentz as a person. Uh, they just did not get a very good version of him as a quarterback. Uh, and so there's no doubt with the Commanders on Sunday, having been eliminated from playoff contention, uh, Sam Howell should be their starting quarterback for their season-ending game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday. And there's no doubt that this offseason, we will be neck deep in quarterback possibilities for our quarterback needy team. Somebody Google up the Las Vegas Raiders pro football reference page. Derek Carr, come on down. Uh, but yeah, Carson Wentz. Uh, he, in this loss to the Browns, was atrocious. He was the commander starting quarterback for the first time since the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. 
Carson on Sunday afternoon against the Browns. He completed just 16 of his 28 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of just 57.14. As Steve Spurrier said in his final press conference as Redskins head coach, not very good. Yes, thank you, ball coach. Uh, Carson, over his 28 pass attempts, threw for a mere 143 yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 5.11. Not very good. Exactly. And 5.11 is appropriate because Steve Spurrier, in his final regular season as Skins head coach 2003, went 5-11. Not very good. Uh, Carson had no touchdown passes versus three interceptions. Not very good. Yes. Uh, Carson took three sacks. Not very good. Yeah. Now, what's funny is that Carson Wentz quarterbacked a commander's offense that actually did well on third downs. Uh, The commanders on Sunday afternoon went 7 of 16 on third downs. Third downs were not a problem for the commander's offense on Sunday afternoon, but many other things were problems. Uh, Carson's three interceptions were terrible. And the drives on which those interceptions took place featured some other really bad plays. Uh, Carson was a disaster on the commander's first offensive drive. Uh, Happened in the first quarter, second snap of the drive. Carson was way high on a second and six shotgun incompletion intended for running back Jonathan Williams on a screen. Third snap of the drive on a third and six for the commanders at their 24. Carson threw an interception to corner Denzel Ward on a shotgun pass intended for receiver Terry McLaurin as Ward undercut Terry's route and Carson off having stared down Terry through the pick. Uh, Carson was a disaster on the commander's third offensive drive. Uh, Early second quarter, fourth snap of the drive, Carson a horrendous pass into the ground on an incompletion on a shotgun screen pass intended for running back Brian Robinson Jr. And then the sixth snap of the drive on a third and six for the commanders at their 12. Carson woefully underthrew receiver Curtis Samuel on a deep shotgun pass that was intercepted by safety Grant Delpit and wide open on the play was Jonathan Williams. And then on the commander's eighth offensive drive happened in the fourth quarter, second snap of the drive, Carson threw too low, and receiver John Dodson was arguably guilty of a drop, uh, this on a second and four deep shotgun incompletion. But then on the eighth snap of the drive, Carson threw his third interception of the game, as he on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Browns 40 threw a deep shotgun pass into the end zone, where Jahan Dodson was in the midst of double coverage. Uh, Grant Delpit registered his second interception of the game. Now, Delpit was guilty of pushing off Jahan, but you had receiver Cam Sims wide open, headed toward the front left corner of the end zone. Carson could have hit Cam for a touchdown. Instead, threw to Jahan in the end zone in the midst of double coverage and ended up being intercepted. And again, Delpit was guilty of pushing off Jahan, but that's not the point. Bad decision, bad throw, bad pick for Carson Wentz. He was very good on the commander's lone touchdown drive, and he was decent on their drive that resulted in a field goal. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy with the good from Carson Wentz in this game because the good doesn't matter. 
But that touchdown drive actually was one of the commander's best drives of the season. Uh, This was the commander's fourth offensive drive, a monster 21-play, 96-yard drive that consumed 11 minutes, 27 seconds off the clock, resulted in Carson's fourth and goal one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run with 21 seconds left in the second quarter on a great dive and extension of his right arm with the football. And Carson on this drive had a number of big third down completions. A ninth snap of the drive, third and 17 for the commanders at their 31. Carson, a 20-yard shotgun completion to Jahan Dodson, who made a nice leaping catch. A 14th snap of the drive, the next to last snap prior to the first half, two-minute warning. Third and five for the commanders at the Browns 32. Carson, a 15-yard shotgun completion to tight end Logan Thomas. 17th snap of the drive, Third and four for the Commanders at the Browns 11. Carson, a six-yard shotgun completion to Logan Thomas. And then the Commanders' seventh offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 43-yard field goal to cut the Commanders' deficit to 17-10. Uh, the second snap of the drive, first snap of the fourth quarter, Carson capably handled a low snap from center Wes Schweitzer, who, yes, was guilty of some more low snaps in this game. Uh, but Carson delivered a second and six nine-yard shotgun completion to Jahan Dodson to beat the Blitz. Uh, Third snap of the drive, second snap of the fourth quarter, Carson, a first and 10, 23-yard shotgun play-action completion to Terry McLaurin. But yeah, otherwise, a rock-bottom kind of game for Carson Wentz. Uh, This was painful to watch. Uh, Here was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the performance of Carson Wentz. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges with Commander's Insiders Sam Fortier and Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. Well, I thought he had his moments. I thought that drive just before the end of the half was what we were looking for. You know, with good ball control, we hit the clock and um, expected to come out in the third quarter and do it. We didn't. Why wasn't Carson able to sustain the success he had last week in San Francisco? Got to give them credit on Cleveland. You know, they did some good things. They got a little pressure on him, and um, you know we missed some opportunities. What did you see on those first two interceptions specifically? Well, the first one was a little bit late, and the uh, second one, the ball just hung a little bit too much. What's the decision now going forward, or what do you do at quarterback after this? Well, we'll see. We'll sit down and talk with the coaches tomorrow after we watch the tape, and we'll go from there. All right. Now, whether you were at the game or watched the game on TV or on some other device, uh, it was impossible not to notice fans at FedEx Field chanting three simple syllables. Hi, ne, ki. Hi, ne, ki. That chant was out there multiple times during the game. A lot of fans, maybe even most fans at FedEx Field wanting Ron Rivera to bench Carson Wentz in favor of Taylor Heineke. We, during Ron's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, had the following exchange with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com, and then you'll eventually hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. The fans were chanting for Heineke after the first couple interceptions. Did you have thoughts on how that changed the mood or the game or the bench? Well, I... um I don't know if that, that should impact how you perform or how you play or anything like that. I think it's really about you know focusing on what you have to do. Did you talk to Carson about that at all? Did you sense he was impacted by that at all? No, because again, like I said, you know we had that drive just before the end of the half, and I thought that really kind of just settled him down. I thought he did a nice job. I mean, 21 plays, and 
you know, however long it was, you know, that was one of the things that you sit there and go, okay, you know, we got a little bit of rhythm going and let's go, let's finish it. Did you think of switching to Taylor at all? I considered it, you know, but um, then they went up by 14 and I, I figured for sure we were going to be throwing the ball downfield. All right, so Ron Rivera admitted to considering benching Carson Wentz in favor of Taylor Heineke. Uh, for the record, this was Carson during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. Not a good one. Not a good one. That's not uh, what I had in mind and what we had in mind as a team. Um, individually, not the performance that you know, I envisioned. Um, a lot of stuff I want back, and... Um, yeah, that was a tough one. After playing last week, you looked a little bit more comfortable in those couple drives. Did you feel that same comfort level today? What did you feel was off for you? Yeah, I, I did feel comfortable. I felt mentally and physically comfortable, ready to go, felt locked in and, you know, early. Uh, tried to be aggressive, tried to force a couple throws early, obviously, and, and kind of put us in a hole. And um, then the rest of the way, just didn't make enough plays. Uh, personally, as a team, the whole nine yards. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely kicking myself over some, but uh, got to turn the page quick. Well, the page uh, will be turned, and the page is the final page in the book of Carson Wentz with the Commanders. But Carson in his postgame presser was all class. Uh, here he was on fans at FedEx Field chanting for Taylor Heineke. It's part of football. I get it. I get it. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot in, in my, my seven years and I experienced a lot. And, um, you know, that I get it. I get it. I didn't didn't have my best day today. And, uh, you know, I wish it would have went differently. I, I feel I feel like I, you know, let, let some of my teammates down there early in the game, you know, put us in a hole a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's part of football. Yes, it is. And part of life, unfortunately, is dealing with the negligence of others uh, if you or someone who you care about has been injured or severely impacted by the negligence of someone else. Uh, know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government at one. Uh, If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment called 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. 
Don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Make your business or practice in 2023 bigger than ever by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, this Commander's 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon dropped the Commanders to 7-8-1 and in the 2022 regular season. The best that the Commanders now can do in this regular season is 8-8-1. Eight, eight, uh, Washington now has clinched not finishing with a winning record for a regular season for a sixth consecutive season, 2017 through 2022. Happy New Year. Uh, was the Commanders' defense good on Sunday afternoon? Uh, well, no, the defense was not very good, but in a season in which the commander's defense has saved the team's offense time and time again, you know, I'm really not that interested in crushing the defense, especially given all that it was missing. Uh, it is true that the commander's defense in this loss to the Browns left a lot to be desired, but it's also true that if the commander's offense wasn't as bad as it is, the performance by the defense could have been good enough to win. Uh, first of all, the commander's defense was without multiple key players and lost a key player, maybe even the defense's most key player. And, you know, I'm not saying this so that you feel sorry for the defense. I'm saying this because it matters in any actual evaluation of the defense. Uh, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen suffered a left knee injury. Uh, the Browns' fourth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. The first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Browns at their 47. Edge defender Chase Young generated big-time pressure, and edge defender Montez Sweat ultimately came through with the sack of Deshaun Watson for a four-yard loss. But also on the play was Jonathan Allen suffering a left knee injury. So the commanders played a good chunk of this game without perhaps their single best player. Uh, head coach Rod Rivera, during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, said the following about John Allen's left knee injury. My understanding right now is he hypersented his knee and they'll examine him tomorrow um, and uh, we'll go from there. Yes, we will. Uh, also, corner of Benjamin St. Juice, inactive for a third time in four games due to his right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in Week 11. Also, safety Cam Curl was inactive for a second consecutive game due to his ankle injury. And by the way, Ron Rivera, toward the end of his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon, said this about what's going on with Cam Curl. I mean, I can tell you, I know, um, you know, we, we sent Cam to get another MRI, and it, it showed a little something else. So I'll tell you that much right now. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was not good to hear. Uh, also, edge defender James Smith-Williams was inactive due to a concussion that he suffered in the loss at the San Francisco 49ers in Week 16. Also, linebacker Cole Holcomb and interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis remain on the reserve injured list. So the commander's defense was missing all of these key pieces, and yet the defense held the Browns to just 24 points and just one of three in the red zone. 
uh, held the Browns to just four of 11 on third downs and finished with five sacks. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not into crushing the commander's defense off what went down in this game. There were three big problems with the performance of the commander's defense in the game. The biggest problem was that the commanders got shredded by Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson, in the second half. The commanders in the first half held Watson to three of eight passing for just 23 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, and sacked him four times. But the commanders in the second half allowed Watson to go six of 10 for 146 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, and sacked him just once. I mean, think about that stat line for a moment. Deshaun, on just six completions, threw for 146 yards. The Browns' sixth offensive drive was their first offensive drive of the third quarter. Sixth snap of the drive on a third and five for the Browns at the Commander's 46th quarter. Kendall Fuller missed on an attempted tackle on receiver Amari Cooper, who then ran down the left sideline on what ended up being a 46-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Deshaun Watson to Cooper, who generated 37 yards after the catch. The Browns' seventh offensive drive, a 12-play, 84-yard drive that ate up six minutes, 20 seconds off the clock, resulted in Deshaun Watson's third and nine, 13-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones with 36 seconds left in the third quarter. Peoples-Jones was wide open in front of the 10-yard line. And then the Browns' eighth offensive drive. Uh, This happened with the Commanders having just cut their deficit to 17-10 in the fourth quarter. A nine-play, 75-yard drive resulted in Deshaun Watson's fourth quarter first and 10, 33-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to Amari Cooper, who was wide open inside the 15-yard line, and then ran into the end zone. Three consecutive Browns second-half drives, resulting in touchdown passes by Deshaun Watson. Uh, You had bad tackling by the commanders. You had Browns pass catchers running wide open. Deshaun Watson had not been good over his first four games since serving his 11-game suspension, but he on Sunday afternoon had his breakout performance with the Browns and at the expense of of the commanders. The whole idea was for the commanders to avoid being Watson's breakout opponent. Uh, That did not happen. Uh, Another problem for the commanders' defense in the loss to the Browns, the run defense. Uh, The commanders allowed Browns running back Nick Chubb to have 14 carries for 104 yards. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of 7.5. Four three. Nick Chubb is very good. We all get that. But geez, 7.43 yards per carry. The commanders couldn't have done better than that. Uh, this was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on what happened with the defense in this game. Well, I, I think part of it is, you know, I think losing Jonathan eventually is one of the things. Um, you know, we miss a couple of tackles. You can't miss tackles, not against big runners, good runners. You got to make sure you, if you do anything, you at least slow them down so everybody else can come in and tackle them. And we miss a couple of them completely. And, and again, we just, you can't miss tackles on good players. And then a couple of times we had guys on, you know, downfield, we should have made tackles and we missed those tackles. Yeah, also, the Commanders on Sunday afternoon generated no takeaways. Uh, So understand where I'm coming from. The Commanders' defense in this game left a lot to be desired, but 
The offense is the thing. I mean, I would go so far as to say this. Of the commander's eight losses in this 2022 regular season, seven are primarily on the offense. The only loss that isn't is a 36-27 loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. The commander's other seven losses in this regular season, including this loss to the Browns, far more on the offense than on the defense. Uh, One other thing from this commander's loss to the Browns on Sunday afternoon, Uh, the commander's running game in this game. I thought that the running game was just so-so. Now, the commanders were without two of their top three running backs. Uh, Antonio Gibson was inactive due to foot and knee ailments, and J.D. McKissick remains on the reserve injured list. You know, McKissick has become kind of a forgotten man, but McKissick has been out for a while here. He's been on injured reserve since November 19th due to a neck issue. Uh, Still, the Browns for the 2022 regular season through Week 16 were number 30 out of 32 NFL teams in run defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, but the commanders did not adequately take advantage of this defense. Uh, Running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Jonathan Williams and receiver Terry McLaurin combined for 34 carries for 129 yards. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.79. The running game had its moments, but not enough of them. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. had 24 carries for 87 yards, but three of his carries totaled 34 yards. His other 21 carries totaled just 53 yards. Uh, Jonathan Williams had nine carries for 30 yards. How about the fourth and one fail with Jonathan Williams? Uh, What was offensive coordinator Scott Turner thinking with this play? Uh, Commander's Second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter turnover on downs, the ninth snap of the drive on a fourth and one for the commanders at the Browns 40. Jonathan Williams had a one yard loss on an under center toss run on which the commanders blocking was terrible. But A, why wasn't Brian Robinson Jr. getting this carry? Now, I will concede this. Maybe Robinson took himself out of the game. You know, that is what happened on the fourth and goal at the one fail by Antonio Gibson in the loss at the San Francisco 49ers now two Saturdays ago. People killed Scott Turner for not running Robinson on that play, but it turns out that Robinson took himself out of the game. Scott revealed that during his post-practice press conference this past Thursday afternoon. Uh, But in this instance, Did Robinson take himself out of the game, or did Scott actually go with Jonathan Williams over Brian Robinson Jr. on a fourth and one run? Uh, B, why did Scott go with a toss run as opposed to a straight handoff run? And C, why not a quarterback sneak with a quarterback in Carson Wentz who's listed as being 6'5", and who did have a fourth-and-goal, one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run later in the game. Up next, something to feel good about in Washington, D.C. area sports. Believe it or not, the Wizards. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, the commanders may be in a bad way right now, but the Wizards are not. Uh, the Wizards, my friends, are rolling. Uh, they now have won five consecutive games and six to seven games, uh, this off having lost 13 of 14 games. Uh, two games for the Wiz over the weekend, Friday night, a 119-100 win at the Orlando Magic. Sunday night, a 118-95 win at the Milwaukee Bucks in the first of two consecutive games for the Wizards at the Bucks. So the Wizards now are 17 and 21. Now, the Wizards have caught some breaks lately. Friday night, the Magic was without six players due to suspension as the NBA this past Thursday announced the suspensions of nine Magic players as part of the punishments for an altercation in the Magic's 121-101 loss at the Detroit Pistons last Wednesday. Uh, eight Magic players each received a one-game suspension for leaving the bench area during the altercation, and the suspensions were to be served on a staggered basis to ensure that Orlando, per league rule, had at least eight healthy players available uh, to play in its next two games. So you had the Magic suspension scenario on Friday night, and then on Sunday night, the Bucks were without a number of key players. Uh, the Greek Freak, did not play in the game. Uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo did not play due to left knee soreness. Drew Holiday did not play due to a non-COVID illness. Uh, Chris Middleton did not play due to right knee soreness. However, the Wizards have been without Bradley Beal. Uh, He now has missed each of their last three games due to left hamstring soreness that emerged in the 116-111 win over the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena last Tuesday night. Also, the Wizards for each of their last two games have been without Taj Gibson. Uh, He has been out due to left groin soreness. Uh, The Wizards won these two games in dominant fashion. Uh, Friday night, the Wizards led for the entire second half, led by 
30 points in the third quarter. Sunday night, uh, the Wizards trailed in the first quarter 5-4 uh, and then never trailed again in the game. Uh, these were two different kinds of wins for the Wizards stylistically. Friday night was actually an odd game for the Wizards offensively. The Wizards went a terrific 15-35 on threes and 27-40 on twos and totaled 33 assists, but also committed a staggering 26 turnovers. Uh, defensively, the Wizards held the Magic to just 5 of 27 on threes, but also allowed the Magic to score 62 points in the paint. But speaking of points in the paint, Sunday night, uh, both the Wizards and the Bucks struggled on threes, but the Wizards eviscerated the Bucks in the paint. Uh, the Wizards went just 7 of 27 on threes, but the Wizards held the Bucks to 13 of 49 on threes, and the Wizards outscored the Bucks in the paint 72-26. The Wizards nearly tripled up the Bucks in terms of points in the paint, 72-26. Uh, Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. has been playing both Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Daniel Gafford at the same time, and the results have been good. I mean, how about what went down in this win at the Magic on Friday night? So Porzingis in that game, 35 minutes, 12 seconds as a starter. He went 3 of 6 on threes, 6 of 7 on twos, and 9 of 11 on free throws. He finished with 30 points, 13 rebounds, 4 blocks, 2 assists, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 32. He did commit 5 turnovers, but Porzingis became the first Wizards player to have at least 30 points, at least 10 rebounds, and at least 4 blocks in a regular season game since March and Gortad on February 27, 2014, and Daniel Gafford on Friday night, 26 minutes, 5 seconds as a starter. He went 5 of 7 from the field, all twos, and 101 on free throws. He finished with 11 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, and no assists versus 2 turnovers. So Porzingis and Gafford each had at least 8 rebounds and at least 4 blocks. First pair of Bullet-slash-Wizards players to do that in a regular season game since Manute Bowl and Charles Jones on March 17th, 1987. I mean, how about that? Uh, also, the Wizards have been getting some really good production from Rui Hachimura off the bench. Uh, Rui in the win at the Bucks on Sunday night, 31 minutes, 53 seconds as a reserve, 3 of 5 on threes, 8 of 13 on twos, uh, 1 of 3 on free throws, okay, but he finished with 26 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists versus 1 turnover, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 18. Denny Avdia was productive off the bench on Sunday night, 28 minutes, 44 seconds, 0 of 3 on threes, 4 turnovers, but also 5 of 9 on twos, 1 of 2 on free throws, finished with 11 points, 12 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards, three assists, and two steals. And Kyle Kuzma on Sunday night had a triple-double, uh, 33 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter. Now, he wasn't exactly super efficient, 0-2 on threes, just 5-14 on twos, 0-1 on free throws, and five turnovers, but he did finish with a triple-double, uh, 10 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists. The Wizards are rolling. Uh, next up for the Wiz, at the Bucks again, Tuesday night at 8. All right, we move now to college basketball, and if you're like me uh, and are a Combo Commanders Maryland fan, uh, Sunday was not a good day. Uh, the Commanders lost to the Cleveland Browns 24-10 at FedEx Field and ended up being eliminated from playoff contention, and Maryland got humiliated 
in a blowout loss at Michigan. Uh, the Terrapins fell to 10-4 and four overall and 1-2 and in the Big Ten with an 81-46 loss at Michigan on Sunday. Uh, the betting line for this game was a pick in multiple shops, uh, and yet the Terps lost by 35 points. This was the Terps' worst loss in Big Ten play since joining the conference. Uh, Maryland got totally annihilated in this game. Uh, the Terps allowed Michigan to begin the game on a 19-1 run, trailed at the half by a score of 44-13. Uh, the Terps for the game went just 5-25 on threes, got outscored in the paint 42-22, went 5-9 on free throws. Michigan went 22 of 29 on free throws. Uh, the Terps got out-rebounded 49-30. The Terps got shredded by Michigan's 7-1 center Hunter Dickinson, who went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, and has held a grudge against Maryland for years now for it supposedly not recruiting him very hard. Uh, he, in 28 minutes as a starter, went 13-16 from the field, all twos, and 6-9 on free throws, finished with 32 points, 12 rebounds, 2 blocks, and 2 assists versus three turnovers. Uh, not a single Terps player scored in double figures. On and on I could go, but you get the idea. You know, the Terps began their season 8-0. Things were looking so good with their new head coach, Kevin Willard. Still may end up being good, but the Terps since the 8-0 start are just 2-4, and four, and they have gotten exposed to at least some extent here. The Terps' three-point shooting has been abysmal. Uh, the Terps have had a turnover problem, and the Terps lack size. Uh, so some things to figure out here for Maryland. Next up for the Terps at Rutgers, Thursday evening at 6.30. Uh, also playing on Sunday was Georgetown, and also getting blown out on Sunday was Georgetown. The Hoyas fell to 5-10 and overall and 0-4 in the Big East with an 80-51 loss to Butler at Capital Win Arena on Sunday evening. The Hoyas trilled at the half 38-30. They then lost the second half 42-21. Uh, the Hoyas shooting was brutal. Hoyas went just 5 of 23 on threes, just 14 of 43 on twos, and just 8 of 12 on free throws. So the Hoyas had 18 points in the paint to Butler's 36. Uh, the Hoyas allowed Butler to go 12 of 26 on threes and to finish with 19 assists versus five turnovers. Uh, bright spot for Georgetown was the UConn transfer, a uh, 6'10 big man, a cook, a cook. In 30 minutes as a starter, went 2 of 5 on threes, 1 of 2 on twos, and 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 12 points, 9 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards, 2 blocks, and 2 assists versus 2 turnovers. But Georgetown, once again, is a bad team, man. Uh, next up for the Hoyas, home to Villanova, Wednesday evening at 6.30. So Maryland and Georgetown played on Sunday, and Virginia and Virginia Tech played on Saturday. Uh, number 13, Virginia improved to 10-2 overall and 2-1 and in the ACC with a 74-56 win at Georgia Tech on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a very convincing win for the Cavaliers. They never trailed in the game. Uh, also, an historic win for UVA head coach Tony Bennett. He tied Terry Holland for the most wins as Virginia head coach. Uh, Bennett improved to 326 and 119 as UVA head coach. Holland went 326 and 173 as UVA head coach. Uh, the Cavs' defense was terrific. Uh, now, the Cavs did allow Georgia Tech to go 7-16 on threes, but the Cavs held Georgia Tech to just 13-29 on twos, and the Cavs forced 20 
three turnovers. Uh, finished with 14 steals. Uh, the Wahoos offense was good. Who's went 10 of 22 on threes. Did go just 17 of 35 on twos. But the Who's finished with 21 assists versus 11 turnovers. Uh, Reese Beekman was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a right hamstring injury that he suffered in UVA's 55-50 home win over James Madison on December 6th. Uh, Beekman in 26 minutes, 45 seconds as a starter. Went two of three on threes and one of three on twos. Finished with eight points, four rebounds, four assists versus two turnovers, two steals, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 23. You know, Beekman's a guy who can do a lot of things well. We saw that on Saturday afternoon. A uh, good game for point guard Kihei Clark. He in 30 minutes, 34 seconds as a starter, went two or three on threes and four or six on twos. Did go just one or three on free throws, but he finished with 15 points, eight assists versus three turnovers and three steals. And Armand Franklin had a very good game despite not shooting all that well. You know, he's a guy like Beekman who can impact a game even if he's not scoring. Uh, Franklin in 31 minutes, 28 seconds as a starter, went 3-9 and nine on threes and 0-3 oh on twos, but he went 2-2 two two on free throws, finished with 11 points, five steals, four assists versus no turnovers, and three rebounds, including two offensive boards. Uh, next up for Virginia at Pitt this Tuesday night at 9. As for Virginia Tech, uh, it lost on Saturday afternoon, a 77-75 loss at Wake Forest. Uh, the Hokies fell to 11-3 overall and 1-2 in the ACC. A few things doomed the Hokies. Uh, they went just 6-21 of on threes while allowing Wake to go 11-28 on threes. Uh, also, the Hokies committed 13 turnovers to Wake 7 and had just 9 offensive rebounds to Wake's 14. Uh, Tech did outscore Wake in the paint 34-18. Did get a good performance from Justin Mutzi in 39 minutes as a starter. Went 2-3 or three on threes and 6-9 and on twos. Finished with 18 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 blocks. Although he did commit 5 turnovers. Uh, but, you know, Mutz went 2-3 or three on threes. The rest of the Hokies went just 4 of 18 on threes. Uh, Sean Padula in 38 minutes as a starter went 1 of 9 on threes. Next up for Virginia Tech. Home to Clemson, Wednesday night at 9. And let's talk some Capitals. I hope that your 2022 ended with as big of a bang as the Caps 2022 did. The Caps improved to 21-13-5 with a 9-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens at Capital Win Arena on Saturday. Yes, 9-2 was the final. Uh, quite the bounce back for the Caps off their hideous performance in the team's previous game, the 4-3 overtime loss to the Ottawa Senators at Capital One Arena this past Thursday night. The Caps on Saturday scored nine goals in a game for the first time since a 9-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers at Capital One Arena this past April 12th. You know, it's funny, the puck possession battle on Saturday in terms of 5-on-5 five -five play was about even, but the Caps had 40 shots on goal to the Canadiens, 33. And the Caps made the most of those 40 shots on goal. Uh, the Caps got big games from a number of players, including the great eight. Winger Alex Ovechkin had a hat trick. Uh, he scored two even strength goals and a power play goal. He also finished with five shots on goal and a team high eight total shot attempts. Did commit a third period high sticking minor penalty, but the hat trick was the 30th regular season hat trick of Ovechkin's career moved him to within two of tying Phil Esposito for the fifth most regular season hat tricks in 
NHL history. And Ovechkin's three goals give him 26 goals in this regular season, tying him with ex-camp Mike Gartner for the third most 25-goal regular seasons in NHL history at 17. Uh, Gordie Howe is number one with 20. Also, the NHL on Sunday afternoon named Alex Ovechkin as the league's first star for the month of December. Uh, Ovi, over 15 games in December, 13 goals and nine assists. So Alex Ovechkin continues to roll. Defenseman Eric Gustafson continues to roll. What an offensive tear Gustafson is on. This guy has become like peak Mike Green all of a sudden. Uh, Gustafson on Saturday had an even strength goal and two assists. He now has a seven-game point streak during which he has six goals and seven assists. Like nobody saw this coming and yet it be happening. Uh, also, winger Marcus Johansson had an even strength goal and two secondary assists for his first three-point regular season game since October 2017. Uh, center of Kuznetsov, three primary assists to cap a great December for him. Kuzi, over 15 games in December, had three goals and 14 assists. Uh, the Caps went two of four on the power play. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the Caps' starting goaltender. He stopped 31 of the 33 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps went one or two on the penalty kill, but otherwise a lot to like from the Caps in this route of the Canadiens. Uh, also, the Caps got back one of their many injured players. So defenseman Martin Fehervari returned from a 12-game absence caused by an upper body injury that he suffered in a 5-2 loss at the Calgary Flames on December 3rd. Caps still are without a defenseman John Carlson and forwards Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, and Carl Hagland due to injury. But a dominant win for the Caps on Saturday to conclude a great December for the Caps. The Caps in December went 11-2-2. Next up for the Caps, home to the Buffalo Sabres, Tuesday night at 7. Well, we on Saturday had two epic games in the college football playoff semis. This really ended up being one of the best days in college football history. I don't think that that's an exaggeration. Number three, TCU, a 51-45 win over number two, Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. Number one, Georgia, a 42-41 win over number four, Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. Uh, yes, defense was optional, uh, but two epic games. There was so much to each game. Uh, we also, over the last few days in college football, had Maryland's bowl game. <laughs> uh, that game, not so much a classic, but it was a Maryland win. Uh, Maryland concluded an 8-5 season with a 16-12 win over number 23 NC State in the Dukes Mayo Bowl at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina on Friday afternoon. Uh, the Terrapins notched their first eight-win season since going 9-4 in the 2010 season, uh, what was Ralph Regan's final season as Terps head coach. Uh, also, the win gives the Terps wins in bowl games in consecutive seasons for the first time since the 2002 and 2003 seasons. Uh, personally, I don't put much stock into non-college football playoff bowl games. Uh, these are glorified exhibition games that happen weeks after the ends of teams' regular seasons and so often feature so many key players not playing. Non-college football playoff bowl games to me are like extra credit. If you win, great, but if you lose, I don't get too bent out of shape. That said, 
I am a Maryland fan. I went to Maryland, and I was glad to see the Terps win this game. I mean, first eight-win season since 2010, wins in bowl games in consecutive seasons for the first time since the 2002 and 2003 seasons. This is progress. The Terps under head coach Mike Loxley are making progress. And by the way, Coach Lox got doused with mayonnaise after the game. Mayonnaise, to me, is one of the most disgusting things out there. Mayonnaise is one of the like worst things that you can eat. I know that there are healthier versions of mayonnaise, but still, like it is just gross. <laughs> and Lox got just doused with mayonnaise after the game, but whatever. Uh, the Terps won this game. Won this game despite a number of key players having opted out of the game. Uh, receivers Rakim Jarrett, Dante Demas Jr., and Jacob Copeland, and defensive back Deontay Banks all opted out of the game. Uh, and have declared for the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, pretty this game was not, okay? I mean, like I said, the final score was 16-12. Uh, there was one touchdown the entire game. Uh, the two teams combined for 14 accepted penalties. The two teams combined for 12 punts. Each team averaged fewer than five yards per play. But the Terps' defense was great. Uh, the Terps held the Wolfpack to just 12 points, just 4.48 yards per play, and just 5 of 18 on third downs. Uh, the Terps held NC State quarterback Ben Findlay to just 22 of 48 passing for just 269 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. The Terps held the Wolfpack to just 27 yards on 18 carries. That works out to a yards per carry of just 1.5. And understand, the Terps registered zero sacks, so this was a true 1.5 yards per carry. As you probably know, college football inexplicably counts yardage lost on sacks as rushing yardage. So a lot of times, a team, if it has a bunch of sacks, ends up looking like it was better against the run than was necessarily the case. Well, in this game, the Terps had no sacks and yet held the Wolfpack to just 27 yards on 18 carries. Uh, Mike Loxley did bench Terps quarterback Talia Tungabailoa for the Terps' first offensive drive due to what Loxley during his postgame press conference would only call, quote, a coach's decision, end quote. So Billy Edwards Jr. actually was the Terps' starting quarterback, but Talia then took over. He did not have a good game. Uh, he went just 19-37 for just 221 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, and took three sacks, although he did have a really good touchdown pass, a second quarter, third and 14, 19-yard Shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Octavian Smith Jr. The Terps uh, went 10-21 on third downs. That was key because the Terps' first and second down offense, not so good. Uh, the number one question for the Terps is whether Talia Tungavailoa will be back with the team for next season. Uh, he could leave for the 2023 NFL Draft. He could transfer. He could come back. I mean, you never know with players these days. I hope, like heck, that he comes back. Uh, another big item is whether receiver Jayshon Jones will be back. Uh, Mike Loxley, during his postgame press conference, admitted that he's recruiting Jones like crazy to come back. But whatever happens, Maryland football is in a much better place as compared to just a few years ago. And it is nice to be able to say that.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 477. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders of them falling to 7, 8, and 1 with this 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. And the commanders now officially eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, A painful and rough and sobering New Year's Day, if you're a Commanders fan like me, and I know that most of you listening are. Well, we will get through this together uh, (laughs) because we have no other choice. Uh, Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. Well, we'll see.